One of the things we can do that absolutely makes our lives more difficult is to ignore human nature and try to force actions and behaviors that are unwanted upon our teams. Life is so much easier when we work with human nature rather than against it. Today, I'm going to talk about a mistake I often made early in my career, which is common among supervisors, managers, and even business owners. In my opinion, this one mistake costs an obscene amount of wasted time, energy, and money. Stay tuned to hear what it is. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So when I was new to leading people, as if you've been listening to this at all for any length of time, you know that that was, I was not a born gifted leader. I was horrible when I first started leading people. And one of the things I did is, is I just kind of fell in this pattern where I felt it was not necessary to explain why I wanted the things I wanted in great detail. I felt that I had the experience, the rank, the knowledge, the expertise, the contextual knowledge all these things necessary to make decisions. And people should just trust that I knew the right thing to do. And frankly, they should just shut up and do what they were told. If, if, if they would just do what they were supposed to do based on how I told them to do things, all of our lives would be a lot easier. If they would just do the thing, like don't, don't think just do (laughs) it and just do it the exact way I said to, if everyone just did that, man, would my life have been a lot easier. I knew the bigger picture. I knew the information that came along with my title and rank, which included oftentimes stuff my team didn't know. I had the benefit of knowing how everything fit together, how our department and what we did well and didn't do well and the order in which we did things and how we did things fit with other things in in, in the company. And sometimes my team didn't know that. And sometimes they didn't need, then they didn't care. (laughs) I had the benefit of knowing the consequence of doing things the wrong way. I had seen failure. I had also failed. So I knew what needed to be done to avoid such failures. And I began a pattern of leading, quote unquote leading, by telling my subordinate employees what to do and in many cases, exactly how to do it. And I would really focus on, you just need to do it this way. And it made perfect sense. If they just did the thing exactly how I knew it should be done, I wouldn't ever have to worry about the thing being done incorrectly And it wouldn't make my life miserable in all these other ways. And it wouldn't negatively impact our customers and other departments and et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes, though, despite my best efforts of really being thorough and explaining things well and really taking the time to walk them step by step exactly how things should be done, they would not actually do the thing the way I said to. They would listen to me explain it, not at all the appropriate times, even confirm that they understood what I meant when I asked even confirmed that they knew the steps when I asked. And still, they would do something completely different than what we had discussed when it really mattered. Why? Because they thought the way they did it was better. In that moment, it seemed to them seemed to them like the way they were doing it 
was better, was more appropriate. Maybe something was not quite how we thought it was going to be. Maybe there's some kind of variable that had changed. Maybe they had a spur of the moment idea on how to do it better, easier, or faster. There was always a reason that made it seem like it was a good idea to do the thing the way they did it, except when you factored in the information that I had that they didn't. And now I don't ever recall that, that I shouldn't say ever. Rarely can I recall instances where somebody would just kind of listen and say they were going to do a thing and they just had no intention of doing it the right way or the way I'd said that I can't remember this happening a couple of times, but these are very, very small exceptions. Like rarely did this happen. Has it ever happened? Yes, of course. In most cases though, like 98% of the time or more, most cases, people thought they were doing the right thing in the moment because there was some kind of variable or some kind of consideration that we didn't go over. There's some reason it made sense to do what they were doing until I went, yeah, but you didn't know about this part. You didn't know that you, this thing had to be done in this order because it was going to affect this other department or whatever. There was almost always something like that where when I explained the rest of the story, they would go, oh, yeah, that would totally make sense. That's probably why you told me to do it the way you did it or whatever. And this is a this is a pattern I fell into of, of being frustrated with why won't they just do it the way I tell them to? If they would just do it the way I tell them to, which I know is the right thing, our lives would be easier. And I went through this over and over and over. And as I got more frustrated, I got more adamant and I got more uh, disciplinarian minded. And there was, there was ever increasing consequences for people not doing the things that how I told them to do it. And here's something that I've learned over. And again, I was a slow learner and thankfully I had some great mentors that helped me learn this kind of stuff. Humans are exceptional problem solvers. Arguably, the reason we are the apex predator on this planet is because we are fantastic problem solvers. Many, if not most people, rather enjoy solving problems. They enjoy being creative and innovative and, and, and coming up with new solutions that might be more efficient, might be faster, might be easier. When I tell people to do the thing the way I say, without any context, I take away this gift of theirs, exceptional problem solving, and I fill that hole with something else. But that something else is not nearly as attractive as the thing they like, problem solving. In fact, it's said that people hate change. Now, so what I take away is their, is their ability to solve problems and be creative and do these things that they have an innate desire to do. And I replace it with forcing upon them change. And again, it's said that many people hate change. I don't know if that's true or not necessarily. In many cases, I'm sure it is. Some people just don't like things being different because they, they like routine. They like whatever. Okay. So some people do, in fact, dislike change. But what people really dislike, I mean, they will lose sleep over it. They will argue with people. They will, they will end friendships and relationships. People do not like being changed. None of us wants to be changed. We often resist change. People only, you heard me say this before, people only change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. In other words, that thing I got to do, I got to give up cookies to lose weight or whatever. Well, only when I'm so miserable in my pants that don't fit do I give up cookies to lose weight. When the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing, then people change. And sometimes it takes us a real long time to get to that point to take steps to change. 
But when somebody tries to change us, we resist a lot. I mean, a lot. Now, this could be, you see this with toddlers. You see this with elementary school children. You see this with junior high kids, high school kids, college kids, all the way up to people in their 80s or 90s. If you try to force somebody to change, what do they do? They resist. They always, always resist. I don't know why. It's just how we're wired. When people try to force you to do something, your first initial reaction is, why? (laughs) Why should I do it this way? Why can't I do it the way I want? This is just how we're wired. So we replace this, this thing that we want, which is creativity and innovation and problem solving, with this other thing we absolutely resist and hate, which is being changed. So when I tell somebody to do a thing the way I want, the way I say, with no compelling reason, now what I mean by that is no compelling reason according to them, me saying so is not a compelling reason, even though sometimes we think it should be, it's not. Doing it the way the boss told me to is not a compelling reason. <laughs> In most cases, it's just not. It'd be nice if it was, but it's not, that's not how it is. When I tell somebody to do something a certain way, the way I say to, which within their mind, with no compelling reason, I take away what they think is their gift. And in many cases, it really is their gift, their intelligence, their creativity, their innovation, their problem solving. And I replace it with this, this thing that they want. Like he's just, he's just making me do it his way. And they get, and we just, again, this is just how we're wired. I don't know why it is, but it's human nature. And that's all I care about is the way that I used to try to do things was to force, force a raft upstream and fight the current of human nature. And now what I do is I, I get in the raft and I float downstream with human nature. And my life is so much easier. Now, I want to be clear about a couple of things or a few things here. Plenty of people are going to hear me right now and say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like the entire point of training people and being the boss and leadership and stuff like that is to teach them the right way to do things. We all have to learn the right way to do things. And there's no doubt that there are things that are so simple that there may, in fact, only be one way to do it. But let's look at something as simple as changing a flat tire in a car. There is, you could argue, only one way to get the lug nuts off. You take the tool out of the trunk and you twist them off with a tool. If you're broke down the side of the road, or you're, you're on the side of the road with a flat tire, you probably don't have an impact gun with you. <laughs> you probably don't have any other tools that would do this job. There probably is, in fact, only one way to do that on the side of the road. You take the tool and you twist them off. But when you look at changing a flat tire, there are a number of steps to take to change a flat tire. And I know that there's people who would be absolutely adamant that there's a certain order in which those steps have to be done. And other people would say, I can do it. I can effectively change a tire and do the things in a different order than what you say and still end up successfully changing the tire. And they're right. I might be adamant that the removed lug nuts need to go in a particular place so I don't lose them. So, you know, maybe you say that you absolutely have to put them in your pocket or you absolutely have to put them in the hubcap or you absolutely have to put them on the the floorboard of the driver's seat so you don't lose them. But the lug nuts not getting lost is the crucial part, not putting them where I want them. And this is stuff, this is part of the thing we lose sight of is the modality is not the important thing. The result we want is the important thing. And so something is as simple as changing a flat tire, which could take seven minutes, there will be people who are absolutely adamant you have to do things in a certain order. And other people who say, that's crazy. I can do it in a different order and get it 
the same result. And they would be right. And this is where we we get hung up and we start having these silly arguments that aren't even verbal sometimes. People just are just pissy or irritated that you're telling them they have to do this thing because they know in their minds they can do it a different way and get the same result. And in many cases, they are right. And in many cases, they might change their mind even if we gave them a little bit of context. So that's the first thing I want to acknowledge is, yes, of course, there are certain things that must be done a certain way, like unscrewing lug nuts, because there's only one way to do it. I get it. There's plenty of that. And that sometimes there are legitimate time constraints. Like if I need somebody to call 911, I see somebody fall to the ground having a heart attack, and I look around, and I see a person, I say, you, go call 911 right now and, you know, grab your cell phone and do it. That Like time is of the essence. And I'm not going to be asking their opinions on what we should do. I'm going to be very direct to the point and say, you need to go do this thing right now. Totally get that too. There's times where time urgency does not allow us to have a great deal of conversation about how things should be done. And we're going to get right to the point and say, you need to do this right now, this way. And, and it's apparent why it has to be done that way because there's urgency in time. And there's also times where there's risks and liability concerns that we cannot leave to chance. chance. Um, injury risks. You know, I, I talked about here before, like in my, in my old career, my old company, we used shoring to be we in trenches and, and, and we didn't care what people thought about shoring. You either used the shoring correctly or you had to go work at brand X. I didn't care. The consequences of not doing it were so severe that I was not willing to risk people's lives. I was not willing to be put in a situation where I had to call somebody's wife or, or daughter or mother and say, your loved one died because they wanted to save $300 on shoring. I was not willing to go to jail for people dying on the job site and, and us being found liable for not following OSHA requirements and me going to jail. I'm just not willing to do that stuff. So the consequences are so severe. I get that there's times where we're not going to be interested in how people want to do things. And, you know, you might have examples like fall protection or texting and driving or data, compl- you know, compli- or data protection. If you're in a, like an accounting firm or HIPAA compliance, if you're in a medical industry, like there's absolutely things where it's not appropriate to allow spontaneous decision-making. But I've never tended to be too loose with how I wanted things done. And I don't generally see managers, supervisors, superintendents, and even business owners be less demanding on how things should be done than appropriate. We are almost always going too far the other way. So you've heard me probably talk, if you've heard this, you know, listen to podcast for any length of time, you've heard me talk about the, the suitcase example. And it's a super simple example, and that's why I use it, because it's so simple. Imagine you are my assistant. You, the people listening, right? You're the person listening, driving on the road right now in your car. You're my assistant. And I say to you, and it's December, and I say to you, I need you to pack a suitcase for me. I'm going on a trip. Now, it's critical you pack this suitcase correctly because if, we, if, I, get, if I get there and I don't have the stuff I need in the suitcase, like really bad things are going to happen, and I'm going to be really pissed if, when I get back if the suitcase is not packed correctly. The first thing you're going to ask me is, where are you going? And the second thing you're going to want to ask me is, what's the purpose of the trip? Because in December, packing a suitcase to go to Maui for two weeks to for a snorkeling trip and a vacation is a very different suitcase than going to Great Aunt Tilda's funeral in Maine in December. They're very different suitcases. And if I just tell the person, hey, it's none of your business where I'm going. You just need to focus on getting the suitcase packed correctly. They're going to be, A, a little bent about that. I mean, like, why won't you just tell me where you're going? Why won't you just tell me how this, like, what, 
what do you need? And I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I can figure stuff out. Why don't you just tell me, rather than giving me this checklist of things and being adamant that I get this stuff correct, why don't you tell me the whole story? And this is the thing that's important to know. The suitcase is like our procedures. We always want to know, how does this little, this little part fit into the whole picture? With no context, we are left as leaders and managers and supervisors and business owners with only demands and force to get compliance. Or we could just say where we're going and why we're going there. I could just say, I'm going to a funeral. It's my great aunt Tilda. It's important that I not show up there in flip-flops and, and cut off jeans. I need to have a suit, of course, and things like that. And if I said where, we were, where I was going and why I was going there, it would be probably pretty amazing what a reasonably intelligent person would get right once they had the context. If I'm going on the snorkeling trip, I'm going on vacation to Maui, and I forgot to put in on the checklist my snorkel, and they knew I lived to snorkel, they might they might know to throw that in there. They If I didn't mention sunblock, they might say, hey, he's going to need some sunblock. I'm going to throw that in there. Even though he didn't say it, I'm going to go ahead and do it because I think that's the right thing to do because I'm a reasonably, reasonably intelligent person. They might even make a reservation for my wife's favorite Maui restaurant because they knew I was in a hurry and didn't get to it, and it would, be, it would mean a lot to my wife, and I'd be able to go do that. That's something that may not even occur to me to mention that has nothing to do with the suitcase. They might do that. My assistant might do that because they knew that this is where I was going. Same thing with for the funeral. If I didn't say I needed a tie to match my suit, they might go, well, I see the suit pack is being packed here. Uh, I'm going to throw in a tie because it, it weighs nothing. It's no big deal if, I, if he doesn't use it. Who cares? I'm going to throw it just in case he forgot to um, you know, mention it. And maybe they might even say, I know he's been really busy the last few days. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to go get a sympathy card and, and throw it in for his grieving relative because I know he's been really busy and maybe he forgot. And it costs $1.79, so who cares, right? That kind of thing might happen because they're reasonably intelligent people and they can make great decisions. They can solve problems and be creative and innovative and all those kinds of things. None of that stuff is possible if they don't know where we're going and how this little piece fits into the whole picture. So my, my point here is where I see people fail and where I know I failed when I was younger is that I did not try to set people up for success. I tried to set people up to do what I wanted. And those are very different paths in some cases. I want to set people up for success now. I want to give them the ability to make great decisions, confirm that they understand that stuff, and then hold them accountable for the outcomes that I want, that we've agreed upon. That is a different thing than holding them accountable to do a thing a certain way when oftentimes in our businesses, we're not even there to see it done a certain way. They might do it a completely different way for eight months. And then only when it goes sideways, do I find out about it. And then I come unglued on them and say, why are you doing, doing it this way? And they say, well, I've been doing it that way for a long time. I don't remember you telling me the other way. And I'm like, I know I told you this other way. And then we get in these very unproductive conversations. I'm not interested in those conversations anymore. I want to set people up for success. I want to give them all the information they need to make great decisions and then hold them accountable to the outcomes that we've agreed upon that we want. Rather than giving them a fraction of the information they need and then trying to hold them accountable to do a thing step-by-step step how I want it, again, in many cases where I'm not even there to see how they're doing the thing. I'm not out in the field seeing how they put the water heater in. I'm not in their office seeing how they do the tax return. I'm not, I'm not over their shoulder seeing all this stuff. So it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, for me to hold them accountable to even do these things in the first place, step by step the way I want it, until it goes sideways. So for everything, whether I say this out loud or not, I always start with, what does success look like? 
can they explain what success looks like? Success looks like in the suitcase example, I get to the funeral and I have the appropriate attire on and I, and I have everything I need to be at a funeral. Or I'm going to Maui, success looks like I show up in Maui and I'm ready to have a good time and I don't have to put a lot of energy into shopping or money shopping for things, wasted time going buying things I have at home. That's what success looks like. So for everything, I start with that. It, it, big things and small things. I've, give, I've told you the examples before where people have called me and said, hey, I need to fire this project manager. They, they're just not, it's just not cutting it. And I say, okay, no problem. Let me ask you a question though. If I called Sally, your project manager, and said, what are the top one, two, or three criteria you use, your boss uses to assess your performance? Would her answer match yours? And in all cases, the answer is, in two cases here that I've mentioned before, the answer was no. <laughs> but, we want, but we want the project manager to do this thing, this, this, these specific things, do them the right way, but they can't say what criteria I use to assess their performance. That's a failure on my part. If they can't explain what success looks like, how in the world are they going to achieve it? If I'm railing about this procedure, it needs to be followed. What is, what, how does this fit in with the context of the customer's experience? Why am I going on about this thing? If they can't explain what success looks like and what this procedure is trying to accomplish and how that fits into the whole picture, they're just not going to do it because sometimes it's going to feel like it's the wrong thing to do without that context. And then, only then, once they can I say what success looks like, do I move on to why does this matter? What are the benefits of getting this right? What are the consequences of doing this wrong? And if they cannot explain those things, what success looks like and what are the consequences or why this matters or what are the benefits of getting this right, I can't move on to how we think it should be done because it doesn't matter how, to be do, how we do it if we don't even know what we're trying to do. So we think we save time by skipping the parts that provide context. We think we save all this time by we cut to the chase and we're just going to explain. I'm going I'm to explain this thing in four minutes because that's how much time I have allotted for my meeting that's running late. And I need to get people out because there's jobs to get to. And we got to start making revenue today. And I don't have time for this training. I'm going to skip all the contextual parts. I'm going to save time by just telling them you need to do it this way. And then it doesn't happen. And we say it again. Then we do it again. And we say it again. And we get mad. And we, we threaten. And we beg. And we plead. And we say it again. And we teach again. And we teach again. And at all times, we skip the part that gives context that allows them to make great decisions. If we really look at each situation and assess the urgency, again, time constraints, sometimes there's legitimate time constraints or the severity of the consequence. Sometimes I don't care what their opinion is. There is a specific way it has to be done because the law required it or certification or certifications, you know, needed. We have to be compliant with whatever. There's big risks involved. Okay. But if you looked at what percentage of the time are really there, those, those time restraints or severity of consequences, I would argue it's way less than 10% of the time. But it's way less than 10 minutes of time that we actually provide all the context that people need. I prefer now to 90% of the time offer that context, explain how this fits into the whole. And the, time, the number of times I have to repeat myself on, and, and endure failures with customers being upset and frustrated has gone down dramatically since I've changed my approach on this many, many years ago. So we would likely discover the overwhelming majority of the time, again, in my, in my opinion, it's 90% of the time that it's much more efficient to explain what success looks like, explain the consequences, get them to a point where they can know those things well enough to repeat them back in a way, in their own words, it lets me know they got it, then move on to how the things should be done. When they have the context, they generally make better decisions than when they don't have that context. 
And I can just tell you, my life got insanely easier once I began defaulting to working with human nature instead of trying to fight human nature. Allow people to be the great problem solvers they are. Allow them to show me a better way to do it. Sometimes, honestly, they have a better way when they have all the context because I haven't done this job in seven years and they're doing it every single day and they figured out a way to do it better than me. Why not let them do that? Rather than fighting human nature and telling them how to do things over and over and over again and being frustrated because I have not provided the proper context. So uh, long-winded podcast today. I'm sorry. I know this is running a lot longer than usual. This is something I see people struggle with a lot. They, they believe that when we have time, we'll do these things, but I don't generally, generally have time. So I'm going to cut to the chase and I'm going I'm to explain to people how to do things. And what I'm saying is this is not a when we have time thing. This is an all the time thing. This is our default. My default way of doing this is to explain it correctly the first time. You know, like the, like your parents used to tell you, when you don't do it right the first time, there's always time to do it over. That's exactly how this goes with training people and educating them and teaching them the right way to do things. If we only give them 70% of the information, we'll have to keep doing that over and over and over again. And, and sometimes they don't ever get it. There's always time to do it over again if we don't do it right the first time. So doing it right the first time is what does success look like? Why does it matter? Then we get into the how. So anyhow, if you find the information I share helpful, please uh, share this podcast with a friend or a colleague you think could benefit. Of course, public sharing is appreciated also. But if you know a business owner who you hear talking, you know, talking about struggling with, I told my employees 53 times and they still don't get it. I don't understand it, right? I, I know I need to get my processes in order. I don't really know where to start. All right. I look at a financial document. I always see is a bunch of numbers. Those are great people to share this podcast with. So if you find the information I share with you helpful, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week.